The nail in the coffin! Right, episode nine of the Nail in the Coffin Cleveland Sports Podcast. I am Tom Valentino, and I am joined as always by Travis Uli. Trav, how you doing? Never better, Tina. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, just uh, put uh, birthday number thirty-four in the books yes, yesterday. Yes, happy birthday, my man. Thank you. Uh, I'm uh, I'm feeling great. Uh, ready to kick off another year here. Hey, special edition of our show. Um, big uh, Cavs Warriors game coming up on Christmas Day. So we decided uh, that we are going to spend a full episode talking NBA. And for the first time, we have a guest joining us tonight. So uh, real quickly, um, if you're new to the show, and I'm guessing we're going to have a few folks here checking us out for the first time, um, welcome aboard. Uh, Trev and I do this once a week. And uh, just a heads up that we've been known to use a four-letter word here and there. And uh, if you like what you hear tonight, um, we hope you'll subscribe. Uh, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, and uh, you can also catch us on any other podcast app that you might like. All right, so with that business out of the way, let's bring in our third man. Um, he is the assistant managing editor for Features at the News Herald, and for the purposes of our discussion, a very smart Cavs fan and one of my favorite people to watch uh, big games with. Uh, Mark Mazuros, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, I, I think you've made a big mistake. Like I've been immersed in the galaxy far, far away, so I, I assume this is the nail in the coffin Star Wars special. But I'll do oh, my no. best to talk Cavs. You know oh, what? No. That's the, I, I'm going to shock you right off the bat. Don't um, tell me you've seen the movie. I went and saw it today. Oh my! I am shocked. Now, now I, you know it's a big movie because even I went to the theater and saw it. So, well, right, just out of curiosity. Just out of curiosity, what's the last movie you, you saw before this in the theater? Do you know? Jurassic World. Okay, not that long ago. Because so I, I have you pegged as like a guy who goes like every six years. I uh, Well, before that, I don't know what the last movie I had seen in a theater was. Okay, well, that's, well, that's good. I'm glad you – I hope you enjoyed it. I did. So, it's good stuff. I'm going to infuriate both of you. The next Star Wars movie I see will be the first Star Wars movie I've seen. In the theater or Totally. The- in the in the world, wow! In, in my thirty, I come across people like you every once in a while. It always surprises me, Travis. I don't I don't know what it is. I, it's not even that I'm not interested in them. I've just never watched them. Uh, you sports guys, you you live and breathe sports. So uh, well, I've also this... like noticed that they're incredibly hard to find. Like you can't get them on anything online without like purchasing them. No, you got to pay. You got to yeah. you got to pay for Star Wars. There's but no it's question. not even like you can rent them for like four bucks off Amazon. You need to pay twenty dollars to buy the digital version of it. Yeah, that's probably true. Brutal. But anyways. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, just as an excuse-making right off the back, this is my busiest time of year. I've been seeing a ton of fall films and everything, so not watching as much Cavs as, uh, as normally, or I will later, but I'm going to do my best, love the Cavs, ready to, ready to talk Cavs. Yeah, I, uh, I think for everybody, um, this is going to be a really great game to jump in on for the season. I know uh, a lot of uh, NBA fans will tell you that the season doesn't really begin until Christmas Day. Um, with the lockout season a few years ago, that was literally the case. But um, 
Yeah, as regular season games go, uh, this one coming up on Friday, Christmas Day, it's about as big as it gets. I'm uh, I'm pretty fired up for it. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like since since probably I don't know two or three weeks into the season when Golden State went on that run, um, Cavs were playing really well, but Golden State was obviously at another level, and I think everybody's kind of been looking at it since then. Like that's going to be the first. The first really exciting like regular season game, I think, in the league this year. There's been a few, especially in Cleveland, that have created some excitement. But this, is, I think, is going to be about as big a game as you can get before summer rolls along. I mean, if you're a casual Cavs fan and you're just jumping in now, I mean, this is like trial by Christmas fire, right? I mean, we're getting the hottest team right now, if not ever. Uh, just brace yourself for maybe an unpleasant Christmas. I, I hope not. But... Yeah, so that's a challenge. Yeah, it's funny though. I was I was talking to one of my buddies today about it. Like, how do you five o'clock on Christmas Day? Isn't that like average dinner time? Do, what what level of fandom are you at when you're telling your family, "Hey, we need to eat earlier this year"? You know, what? I, I need to go be parked. In I front feel like of the a lot of families kind of eat that three thirty four o'clock. So you're kind of you're kind of getting done. Christmas is that weird schedule. I I think it's kind of the perfect time. If there is such a thing, the uh, the network would agree with you because this is kind of since ESPN took over the NBA TV package, this has kind of become like their signature uh, time slot for Christmas Day. They right they've they've messed around with some of the other games around it. Um, I think for a while it was just a double header where they'd have one at two thirty. That was like the JV game basically, and then whatever like the biggest uh, game of the year was they would always put it in that 5 p.m. slot so they uh, Cavs heat was five last year correct yeah yeah um and the Cavs Lakers were uh, they played in the the 5 p.m. slot on Christmas Day I think it was either Christmas 08 or Christmas 09 and that was the one when the Cavs kicked their ass and uh that's a good memory. Foam fingers to all the fans, and they all the Lakers fans got pissed and threw them all on the floor. <laughs> that was a great day. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a Merry Christmas right there. <laughs> I loved it. So, um, for those of us, you know, I, I think the three of us here have been watching pretty closely, um, if not every single game. Uh, for uh, I know, Mez, you said you've been uh, inundated with uh, feature films and whatnot, but um, I, I do a lot of the coming home at ten o'clock and trying to get through the game in an hour on the DVR. So it's not the perfect. Uh, I've seen you know much of every game, but but not uh, not totally immersed. I'm glad you brought that up because Trav, you texted me during I think it was the Oklahoma City game last week, and you asked me if I was watching it. And I told you I was on DVR, and you were. What was your exact reaction to that? I just I just don't know how people do it. Oh, like, I'm the king. I'm the I king. would come home if I come home and it's halftime. I'm just picking it up at halftime. I'm not starting it at DVR uh, and trying to catch up to the game. I don't. I guess I'm probably checking my my phone too often, anyways, to where I know sort of what's going on with games, at least games that I'm interested in. Oh, uh, you got to have I'm, a whole you got to have a whole system when you're DVRing. You got to be off Twitter. You got to be ignoring text. It's a you've got it's to a sacrifice. But I don't I don't want to miss Who the LeBron the and the alley oops. See that? See that? Uh, that's the funny thing. Like I, I text Tino and I'm watching. And I see this stuff live, and I want to talk to him about it. And he's like, "Oh, I'm, uh, I'm in the second. You're at the end of the third, so we can't really discuss that." Yeah, I'm the worst. Um, Ruins it. You know, I tell you, like before this season, I never would have done that. And just with having the little one here that I have to put to bed at night, I've kind of gotten in the rhythm now. 
where, you know, I, I, I put her down and then around nine, nine thirty, I go settle in and Mezzo like you said, you can knock out those games on DVR in like an hour, an hour and 15. My, my rhythm now is I just go completely off the grid. No, no phone. Um, no, no tablet, no nothing. And, uh, fast forward through every dead ball and all the free throws and you could bang out these games in like an hour and 15. And once you start doing that and you've got like no dead time, as long as you don't have anybody in the outside world trying to get a hold of you, it's great. Yeah. I sadly, I have everyone in my life kind of conditioned because I've overreacted to them having the audacity to talk to me about what's going on in the live game. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a weird that. way to live, but you get used to it. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I mean, I don't know how you guys handled Browns. I, it, normally, I would have I would have just largely ignored Cavs Sixers, but with Kyrie back and like you know, Johnny Manziel in Seattle, I, I tried to watch a bit of everything, but that meant I was ten minutes behind all the time on everything. Oh, I handle the Browns by falling asleep around the third quarter <laughs> and just kind of mail it in for the rest of the game. Usually, that is a that is a relaxing, nice way to go about it. I did not do that. It yeah. is funny though. I was I, I worry. I worried last week watching that Thunder game. Like if I did start to DVR games, I get spoiled because there was. I noticed it at least twice during the game. It went to commercial, and I picked up my remote to fast forward. I'm like, well, damn, I can't do that. Uh, so I sit there, and I find something else to do for the next three minutes. But if I got into that rhythm where I was watching on DVR, I'd probably get even more annoyed by those commercials. There's no question. Yeah. So, Mez, let me ask you this. Um, in the games that you've seen to this point, uh, any general impressions, takeaways, things that you've noticed about the team, any big storylines that you feel like are developing? That, I, uh... I, I guess what makes me happiest about the team, and, and I don't know if this is much the case uh, the last couple of weeks when I've been busy or not paying as much attention, but they start off the season, and I just feel like it's more what I wanted and expected last year. I feel like the team looks like they're on the same page. There's more ball movement. They're, Blatt and LeBron don't seem to be at odds on maybe offensive philosophies. I, you know, I don't know how much that and, – and, Obviously, they were working Kevin Love in more seamlessly and purposefully, and uh, and again sharing the ball. And, and like I'm better at watching offense than uh, knowing what's happening than watching defense. But it's everything I wanted to see. So obviously, now you're folding in back uh, Kyrie, and that's what I want to. Uh, obviously, that's what we all want to see on how that works. But uh, but just this year to start has been a lot more enjoyable than you think about where we were a year ago. With that, what were we? Nineteen and twenty. That was the, the, the pre-trade yeah. season. Yeah. Yeah. So just feel, I mean, you'd feel just great about things if you weren't paying attention to what's happening in California. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it's, it's all, you're taking it all with a grain of salt. Yeah, I think it's been kind of interesting. Um, I think it's probably gone, I don't know if the record is necessarily different than what people expected, but I think the way the team's been playing and, and sort of um, the roles that guys have been playing on the team specifically – uh, what Delhi's been doing, I think, has probably caught a lot of people off guard a little bit. Yeah, you know, I was under the impression that last year, the, what he did in the playoffs was really great, and I always just had that feeling watching him, like, there's no way this is going to be sustainable, and this is going to be a nice playoff storyline, and it felt like when he kind of hit the wall in the finals, and I think he even like spent uh, an overnight in the hospital with exhaustion. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, the, the Cinderella story here for him is regressed back over. to the mean a little bit, right? Yeah. And instead, this year he's he's really, I mean, he's been better. I'm not going to say anything crazy like he's the best point guard on the team or anything. We we have a, a multi 
uh, appearance all-star who just came back to the lineup. But um, I, I'm glad you mentioned him, Trav, because I was doing some digging today and reading up on him. Total NBA right now, for guys that are qualified, he is tied for third in the league in three-point shooting percentage. Yeah, that's ahead of that guy in California, too. Yeah. That's insane. And he's third in the league in assist-to-turnover ratio. And it's not like he's playing a small sample size here. He's playing 28 minutes a game, and of the 25 games that they've played, he's appeared in 24 of them, and he started nine of them. So, I mean, he's gone from being this fun little underdog story to being a legitimate weapon. I I feel like he's playing this season – I hope I can express this the way it is in my head. I feel like he's playing this season the way his biggest fans, and you might even include David Blatt in that, acted like he was playing last season. I mean, he's just this efficient little ball of fire this year that you're really happy to have on your team, and especially for what you're paying him. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's got a little... um, I hate to do it because it's it's sort of like that cliche where you're comparing white guys to white guys. Um, But he reminds me a lot of when I watched Aaron Kraft at Ohio State you didn't really think he was doing anything all that great except like hounding the shit out of everyone. But then he then the game and he'd have 18 points and seven assists and he, he was incredibly efficient. He did everything pretty well. Um, I don't know. I, mean, I think he's probably a little bit more talented offensively, obviously, but the role it, that he's been playing in that offense is incredible. It, it's crazy that his three point percentage has climbed that high because you watch him and it looks like he's putting, he does not his whole like body into that shot. Yep. It's, it's like so much body movement into that shot, but hey, if it's going down, it's going down. Yeah. <laughs> and, and here we all were, I think we all were just excited, especially the way Mo started the season. Like, oh, when Kyrie comes back, Mo's going to be getting all these minutes. Now you're like, well, we're going to have to find minutes for Mo, but Delhi's definitely getting minutes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah everybody know. thought Mo was going to be that guy because they're like, oh, we need someone to play offense. We can't. And I think have we're all Delhi happy with Mo. It. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He he's been fine, but um, offensively, right? I, I think he is still the. Um, I don't know if I'd call him a full blown turnstile on defense, but <laughs> he, he's he's not great. Um, and that was what we remember from him from the last time he was here, and that hasn't gotten any better or changed at all. But um, for a backup point guard, I think he's been fine. But I think there was an assumption that at the beginning of the season that once Kyrie was back and once Shumpert was back and they had the full rotation of guards available, that Delhi was probably going to be the guy getting squeezed out the most. Right. And I don't think that's going to be the case now at all. No, I mean, how could it be? Yeah. I Go ahead, Mark. No, that, that's really all I had. I just, uh, you know, we're, and I think Mo's one of our fonder memories from that previous LeBron era. So it was just so great to have him back. He just, you know, giving him the mic home opener, and, and it, it just was all feel good. He's coming out and he's hitting everything. But but over as the season's gone on, I mean, I think Delhi's been the more valuable guy, and that's not to take anything away from Mo. I've been happy with Mo with not having unreasonable expectations for him. Like you said, he's not going to shut anyone down on defense. He's just going to hit some open threes, handle some ball, you know, calm things down. He's done all that, but Delhi's been a real asset. Yeah, you know, the one thing that I, I think Mo's done even better than I remember from him the last time, and maybe I just maybe my memory's just hazy. It feels like that mid-range jump shot has been a really effective weapon for Mo offensively this year, more than I remember in his first stint here. Oh yeah, absolutely. I noticed that too. Like that shot from the elbow, that yeah, fifteen to eighteen footer that he seems to just knock down automatically these days. Yeah, because he could um, shoot from the perimeter before, but I don't remember. And he would hit those runners in the lane, which. 
he still um, busts out every now and then. But, the Mo Flow. Y- yes. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, you know, there were some times early on, at least, when the Cavs I felt, were struggling on offense, and he would just pull up and hit something, like that mid-range shot, and you're like, well, thank God somebody can do that when things ground to a halt. So he, he has, you know, had a role to play already. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I don't know how much. Have you guys paid attention all to um, – I was reading, heard this piece the other day about the uh, like this this deadly small ball lineup that Golden State has. The light of a that, death that they rarely deploy. Um, I think it's uh, uh, like Curry, Thompson, Draymond Green. I think Harrison Barnes and Iguodala maybe. Where it's yes. literally nobody big. Um, I think Iguodala is probably the biggest guy at like six eight six nine. Um, but they just basically go and. And the spacing is so incredible that it's impossible to defend. Um, I have a hunch that if if the Cavs have one of those, Delhi might be a part of it. Yeah, it I, I think you're to, right. I think you're probably if they have one that's the equivalent of that. I think it's probably like Tristan, LeBron, Kyrie, Delhi, and either Shump or Jr. Yeah, it's going to probably depend on the situation and what you need. If you need somebody that's going to give you more scoring punch. You're probably going to put Jr. in there because he's a little bit better three-point shooter. And if you need that perimeter defender, you're going to lean towards Shumpert um, just because he's about as good as it gets at defending the perimeter. But do, if we do you told think, you last uh, year that the Cavs would be at their very best when Delhi's on the floor, you would have thought, <laughs> eh, that might be a bit of a stretch. I'd have asked how many guys are injured right now. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. You know the other thing, though? And, yeah, the Cavs can absolutely run out a couple different options in terms of small ball lineups, but they can go really big, too. You can run out a lineup, and I don't know that they've really done this at all, but if they wanted to, you could put, like, a Timo and Kevin Love and Tristan and LeBron and then Kyrie. Yeah, if you want to slow it down a bunch and and play that type of game, absolutely you could. And you might need to do that against Golden State. I know they have created matchup nightmares for other teams with that small ball lineup that they run out there, but if there's one thing that I think can give Golden State some problems, it's... It's, it's size. A, a, yeah, a size. Oh, a team no with question. real length, because you look at what their one loss was this year, it was to Milwaukee. And I think when that initially happened, it was easy to chalk it up to, well... This is their seventh game of their road trip. It's the second night of a back-to-back. They had just played double overtime the night before. They're out of gas. And then they played Milwaukee again when it was out in the Bay Area. And um, Golden State won that game, but they really struggled with them for a good 90% of that game. I think they finally pulled away late. And... Milwaukee's really not that great. I think they've got some good young talent in a few places, but they've taken a step back from where they were last year. But the one thing they really have is length. And Yeah, they're long and athletic for sure. Probably a little more athletic. I mean, the Cavs are big, but probably not that athletically big, right? Right. Yeah, you look at Maz and Tristan. And, and, I mean, Tristan, I don't. He, he seems to be all over those alley-oops lately, but he's never going to like astound you with his athleticism. Same with Love. Um, I I'd love to see the Cavs try to do what you're saying, you know, dictate terms and, and go big and, and, you know, you create the matchup problems. But I feel like Mozzie's going to miss two hooks against Iguodala and then they're going to start running against us and, you know, we'll end up countering what they're doing. But I, I, they got to try it. Yeah. I also think if they're running, you can't have 
Mozgov getting out on the perimeter to defend, and right. the, all five of those guys can shoot. So you, it might be nice to have him out there if you can really dictate the pay, uh, dictate the pace. But that can get away from you really quickly. I think um, you could be looking at a case of I don't know, two or three possessions where you just get your ass kicked all of a sudden and you have no idea what just happened to you. Mez, you haven't been watching quite as closely in the last couple of weeks, but one of the storylines that I've seen emerge while we're on the subject of Mozgov, he's looked, I think, much, much better in these last two or three games than he had I, looked at any point before that this year. I, I have seen that. I was going to say, that's a you know, thank God it's happening now because he, he was useless before, and there's no way you could go with that lineup. With, with the way he, he looked so uncomfortable around the hoop and – you know, probably favoring that knee. And I, you know, I'm a, as, as Tom, you know, I'm a big Brian Winters fan. I agreed when he was saying that they should probably just shut Mozgov down for a couple of weeks, but maybe they knew what they're doing because he is finally starting to look like himself and, and somewhat athletic. And it's great to see. It was weird. Like there was a game uh, either early last week or late in the week before that, where he hadn't looked good at all. And then all of a sudden they fed him in the post early on in that game. And I'm, I'm, it's killing me. I can't remember who it was against. He knocked down a couple shots, and all of a sudden, it was like the switch just flipped for him, and he started moving better. He looked more confident out there and looked a lot more like the player that they had in the post, what they traded for last year. That's what it seemed like to me, too. And, and again, thank goodness. Yeah, they, they need that. So uh, what else have we seen from the Cavs so far that uh, got us excited? We haven't had to use Sasha Khan. That's good. <laughs> He's always there around the huddle, though. I notice he's always one of the guys standing up, patting guys on the back and stuff. So he's involved. I'm finally to the point in the season where, like, they show him, and I'm, I, I don't go, who is that? Like, I finally know, but it took me, like, <laughs> 20 games. Oh, it's the other seven-foot white guy. <laughs> exactly. That's right. He does have that. Uh, no, but I. Th- he's got the look of the classic, like, generic bench guy that you would see in, like, an NBA Live 05 or something like that. He does. Like, who is this generic dude on our bench waving a towel every time we have a cutscene after a basket? You got to have that guy. It's important. It is. He's had a really like if if you know like his backstory though, like his his like career at Kansas and all that. Everything that he did even before he came to Cleveland is just really. It's really strange that all of a sudden he's like this this thirteenth guy at the end of the bench on a pretty legit contender who drafted him five years ago or whenever it was like everything around him is just really random and awkward. I think. Um, and who knows? I mean, he it doesn't appear he's ever going to actually get any sort of a role on the team, which is fine. But just seeing him jump up off the bench, like every, every timeout is entertaining. I think. Well, let me ask you guys a question. What, uh, I'm just interested in what you guys think of Blatt now that we're, you know, what, a quarter or whatever in, into his second season. I mean, are you guys big fans? I am. I, I, I think he is great. Um, one of the things that I noticed out of Blatt last year that I really liked and I think has continued on to this year is that they have a real knack for coming up with great offense, coming out of timeouts. They, yes. They have a, a lot. How many times do you see them just get great looks and, and very easy shots coming out of timeouts? I think that's a sign of a really good coaching staff. Do you think um, Mike Brown watches that and just doesn't understand what's happening? Oh, I'm glad you mentioned him because um, you <laughs> I'm know, not. One of the I hallmarks, didn't want to hear about him again. <laughs> you know, one of the hallmarks of the Mike Brown era was how many times did the Cavs take a lead into halftime and come out in the third quarter and give it all back? Oh, those third quarters. And that doesn't happen anymore. 
So, I, and I, I think that's, again, you've got a coach that's doing a good job of making adjustments in the locker room, um, and it, it reflects well in the way that they play. I, I've never, at no point last year, did I ever feel like he, in the playoffs, like, well, we lost this because he got outcoached. I mean, when they got beat by Golden State in the finals, they just ran out of horses. He, he There was no moves oh, left for him to make. Yeah. You can't blame that series on anyone, really. I mean, no. Well, you could blame it on Kelly Olynyk, but <laughs> yeah, no, fair, fair. <laughs> I, I think you know LeBron. Like I had faults with LeBron and faults with Vlad at different points in last year, but both those guys. I mean, everybody, everybody who could play did what they could in that series, and you just, you just couldn't beat them with that lineup. Yeah, but no, I'll say I've been, I've been happy with Vlad so far this year too. I'll echo kind of what Tino just said. I think, uh, I think he took a lot of slack last year for not. Not very good reason. I don't. I don't really know why. But hey, um, I've don't been, you feel like LeBron was undermining him though? And there's at least to a degree, or not making it easy oh, on no him. And I feel like, yeah, I feel no. like that's not happening this year. And I don't know if they just had a, a great talk in the off season or what. But like, what Kevin Spolstra went through the same thing in Miami. Yeah, um, it feels like year, everything well, wasn't all rainbows right. and butterflies down there. And it kind of they kind of got to the point where I think um, I have a hunch that ownership kind of told him like, hey, he's he's here for a while. We're not just dumping him year one because you don't like him right away. And I think once he kind of accepted that and and moved in, sort of went into that role and with that mindset, it kind of changed how he approached it. Um, but I've been really happy with um, how, he's, how he's managed the rotations, probably more so than um, the play calling and things like that because I don't think – I, I think in the NBA that's a little overrated in general. Right. Um, I don't think that makes a huge difference because um, nine times out of ten the plates fall apart. Guys just kind of end up doing what they want to do. Um, but the way that he's managed the rotations I think has been really good. Um, and he's done a really good job, I think, of getting different lineups out there so he can see how they work together. Tino and I and I have discussed this pretty much every week. Um, but this far into the season, it's it's very much about seeing which guys work together. Um, and he's done a good job, I think, at getting all those different looks out there so he knows what he's got and how different guys can complement each other and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, the more combinations you can try out now, the, the bigger dividends down the line. So I, I agree with everything you're saying. I just There's so many big personalities on this team and big talents and, and rumors innuendo. I can't wait till five or ten years after this this era breaks up and we get the uh, great behind-the-scenes uh, book because oh, the I, just, I need to know everything that's going on. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, um, you know, in terms of juggling the rotations, he's going to have, I mean, it's a great problem to have, but it's definitely going to be a challenge now, I think, going forward, because you're going to have really 11, maybe even 12 guys that are legitimately playable, and you're not going to go with a rotation that deep when you get to the playoffs. So how do you keep everybody involved, keep everybody in the, in the flow of the game when you've got that many guys that deserve minutes. I mean, I would assume right off the bat, Jared Cunningham, who has been serviceable in the role that they've brought him he'll in be for. On, yeah, he'll be on a milk carton from now on, I think. Yeah, probably. But Well, let me just say, and it's a bit of a knock on wood, or I hate to say it out loud, but this is Cleveland, and I'll believe we have all these healthy guys all the time when I see it. I mean, there'll be other injuries, and again, it goes back to our depth and his mixing and matching guys, so I'm not overly worried about him having two healthy too many healthy bodies all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me ask you this. So the Spurs are known for, because they've got a lot of older guys, 
the way that they manage minutes is they will just give certain players a, a, a designated night off, just coach's decision, we're sending them out. Would it be completely irrational and, and crazy to try something like that with certain guys on this team? Just have certain nights where you're going to say like we're going with we're going ten deep tonight and it's your designated night off just to like have I mean so some of these guys would probably not be playing especially in the backcourt because I think that's where you've got the most congestion so like one night you say Jr you're getting a night off to to rest and heal up um, the next game it's Shumpert and I don't think you would have, maybe even Kyrie on the second night of a back to back especially early on here as he works his way back into the rotation. Would they even entertain trying something like that? I think they have to. Um, I think they'd be crazy not to. It's worked so well in San Antonio, and you have these guys that I don't know that I'm necessarily worried about like one game off in terms of preventing injury because a lot of that stuff's kind of, I mean, it's a fluke. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. But um, I, I think it's a good practice just, again, to kind of see what do guys do when the, when their role is maybe a little bit different um, or how do they handle these change, these changes in the lineups and things like that. Just those, those little adversity things that I think I hate that term because I feel like it's incredibly cliche, but um, just seeing how they handle those different scenarios um, as a team when they're out there on the floor, when they know, Hey, so-and-so is not going to come in and relieve me at this point. It's going to be this guy seeing how that sort of stuff balance out, I think is is great, and those extra nights of rest, I think, really add up for the guys that have a lot of miles on them. Yeah, I totally agree, but I have to separate it from the, when I sit down, I'm excited to watch it, like that Miami game. I stayed in, I'm going to watch that. LeBron's not playing. My, my night is shot, but I have to separate <laughs> that, and it's good for the team. Yeah, but it's great to do that to Miami fans that wanted to see him. <laughs> no some, question. Like, Wait, sorry, Miami fan. The Miami <laughs> fan. Oh, that, that one guy? Yeah, that one guy. Who stayed till the end? Yeah, yeah. He, the, the guy that was there when it started and didn't show up in the third quarter. Right. F- fan up, Miami. <laughs> God. Oh, that, that still upsets me. Just the worst. Let it go. Let it go. Hey, so speaking of LeBron, this is year two of his return. I feel like he is a much different guy at this point of this season versus where he was at this point last season. How do you guys feel about the way he's approached the season and the way... Um, he's played in these first. Uh, he's appeared in twenty four out of our first twenty five games. I I think in general, I've it, he's been. It seems like a a tale of two cities, sort of. Um, he, he he changes his approach. I feel like pretty regularly. Um, he'll go one week where he's very much like outspoken, getting on guys, telling everyone that they're not working hard enough, things like that, and then three or four games later he's patting everybody on the head encouraging everyone telling them how you know just keep trying hard you're doing great blah 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 um far be it for me to question how he does those types of things because clearly as as we've kind of been saying for the last decade since he came in the league basically he's an incredibly smart guy um probably smarter than most people give him credit for uh both just natural intelligence and I think basketball IQ um, and he knows he, he's really good at figuring out what works for guys I think so you kind of have to give him that leeway but it's been concerning to me how he's handled that as far as his play on the court I mean it's I don't I don't know that I've noticed a, a big step back 
he's he's still putting up incredible numbers. He's still good for a couple highlight real plays, and and in crunch time, he seems to be the guy that you can count on to go out and get a basket for if you need it. I I just feel like LeBron's always or lately been this this moody guy, and last year it was almost like inexplicable or so frustrating. You never knew when he was just going to just pout or and and just not be a great team player and just be frustrated. And, and he's still inconsistent, like Travis is saying, this year. But I feel like it's just been a lot more manageable, and, and uh, I can make sense of it to some degree. And he just seems like in a much better place in year two, like like Blatt does, like like Kevin Love does. And a- any complaints I have against, about LeBron this year are really minimal compared to last year. And, like, I, I would trample an old woman last year to get him back. I was thrilled to have him back, but he, he did drive you a little nuts sometimes. He but this year, I just think he's, I just think he's more focused and – Last year, I felt like he was whether he would think this way. I felt like he was destructive at times, and I whatever I think this year, I don't. I think it's all in a positive way. You can second guess some things, but I think he is focused on that championship this year. Destructive is a really good word because I, I think just getting back to what we were talking about earlier with the way he treated uh, David Blatt, I think it was indicative of of what he did with a lot of people where it was like this new situation, new teammates, new coaching staff, new front office. And he tends to, just seems like he wants to put people through the ringer around right. him and, and give them the baptism by fire. And if you can handle it and he, and you earn his trust, he's going to go to war for you. And if you can't hack it, then your Dion waiters getting shipped out of town. And it just seems like overall, everything that I've noticed, he seems a lot more confident in the people around him. I, there was there have been a couple of games where the ball has stuck with him a little bit. Like I got frustrated with what they were doing at the end of the game against New Orleans a couple of weeks ago. Right. Um, but by and large, I mean there there have been a lot of situations this year where uh, it feels like he's a little bit more trusting of his teammates willing to pass the ball. And you look at like that the end of that Oklahoma City game last week, um, Kevin Love had the, the late three-pointer from the corner that uh, it was a huge basket for him on a night that he had not really been shooting well. And you saw his confidence was kind of shaken a little bit. And then he had that crazy four-point play, got fouled um, out on the, the wing in, early in the fourth quarter. Made the Tossed it up there. Yeah. And... Uh, and I, it kind of seemed to spark him a little bit, and LeBron picked up on that. And sure enough, Kevin Love gets the the, the three pointer towards the end of the quarter, uh, end of the game there, and it really helped to to seal what was, I'd say, probably their best win of the season to this point. So I don't. Yeah, think it's, I think it's I interesting. Think, you know, go ahead, Travis. I was just going to say that I, I've noticed probably the biggest change I've noticed between this year and last year between LeBron specifically um, is that he seems to trust. Uh, love a lot more um and part of that goes back to i think that that kevin love is more comfortable and where with his role on the team and where he is in the lineup and 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 what they expect of him and what uh, he's going to be allowed to do but i think last year he was maybe hesitant to um really involve uh kevin love in the lineup and i think this year that's kind of gone away and he's he's fully comfortable making that his his I don't know, right-hand man along with Kyrie, obviously, while um, last year I don't know that that was, des- that was necessarily there. I, I feel like his treatment of the other two big two uh, last year and this year is sort of an interesting reminder that you can't take the same approach with everybody, right? Like, 
I thought he and Kyrie were going to, you know, punch it out at some point early last year. And I think Kyrie came through his LeBron trial by fire eventually a better player. And boy, they really learned to play with each other. And uh, I wasn't always sure that was going to be the case. And I think at the, I think love was just off all year. And I don't think love has maybe the same confidence. And I think love's who knows what really happened in that uh, poolside meeting, but my, you know, I've sort of believed that like they just talked it out and loves like, look, man, this is what I need. And I, you know, and, and I think LeBron kind of figured out like, yeah, I just got to kind of be nicer to him and feed him a little bit more. And he's not going to be as dominant and, I don't know. I, I just think we're going to – we finally get to a place where I think we can expect big things from the big three fairly consistently. Yeah, and the other thing, just comparing LeBron last year to this year through this point, it, there has been no point this season where I have even gotten the slightest hint of chill mode. <laughs> chill mode, right. <laughs> I think we saw a game in chill mode, didn't we? Yeah, I don't think we ever we need did. to see that, chill that, mode again. You and I, uh, as it was uh, – it was uh, the weekend after Christmas last year against Detroit, and that was one of the ugliest games of the year. Talk about brutal. That was brutal. Oh, it was awful. So, no, I, I and I don't know if he just, if it's just all of what we've been talking about here with him feeling more comfortable and believing in, in the personnel around him, or if he's kind of sensing um, some urgency knowing that there's this juggernaut team in the West that already beat them in the finals last year and is lurking again this year. But he definitely seems like he's bringing it. Um, just looking at his free throw numbers, um, I, I know he got – it was kind of an early season concern where he was in the mid-60s shooting free throws um, through the end of November – and the month of December here, he's played seven games, and he's shooting 87% from the line, which is about 14% better, I think, than or 13 or 14% better than his career average. So, I mean, the things that are weaknesses or, or areas where he's struggling this year, it seems like he's not content to just say, well, it'll be fine in the playoffs. Like he, he's working his ass off to improve things right now. That's that's a good sign. Yeah, I I, I can't complain this year, man. He's uh, he, he's what we hope. You can always tell too with him at the free throw line. You can just see when he's off. Like you're like, ah, oh, he's not taking his time. He's going to go one for two. But uh, it, I'm glad he's correcting that because he's going to get to the line all the time. Yes. Yeah. He. I, I know that there's been. I was reading an article. I think it was Dave McMenamin of uh, ESPN.com today was talking about there's been some grumbling within the Cavs feeling like he's not being officiated the same way and the the referees are allowing a lot more contact from guys guarding him compared to some of the other players and it's really similar to what happened with Shaq with the Lakers but even still he's among the league leaders in free throws attempted per game so he's definitely going to wear out a path to the line and he's going to need to knock him down so I think it's a really good sign that he's taken that seriously and has made a very, very noticeable improvement there. Do you guys think he doesn't get some of those calls because it's maybe the Shaq thing and he's just so big and you can call fouls all the time? Or is it because he makes such a big production about it visibly for all to see when he doesn't get those calls? It's it's probably a combination of both, but I think a lot of times, I I think a lot of the fouls that you normally get seen are based on on, I don't know, a guy's body movement or something like that. He goes through them so much, and it seems like if if guys get like what for most would be a ticky tack foul, but a foul nonetheless, 
he doesn't it doesn't necessarily do anything to him it doesn't slow him down it doesn't right. impact him and it, and to the naked eye it may not even look like anything happened so while yeah you we do like see some on tv that, though that look like he got hacked and they don't call I yeah. mean, it happens both ways yeah and i think his the way he handles officials is very very calculated and i know at times it's led to four on five at the other end because he's still down there barking but there's no doubt in my mind that when he's doing that he's putting a thought in their head for the next time down the floor and we might think that that might be doing more harm than good but i know like the other thing especially if there's like a no call when he gets knocked down to the floor and he'll stay down that extra minute or so (laughs) that that extra 10 seconds just to kind of really drive home the point that like hey man i really got hit here and you swallowed your whistle that's on you and I, I I feel like everything that he does with, with contact and things like that is extremely calculating. Like Travis was saying, man, he's smart. I and mean, whatever else you think about him, he, he's smart. Yep. And I think one of the things that I've noticed is I think he, this goes back to that trust in his team. If, if he stays down for a second to try and get that um, – try and plant that seed for later in the game – I don't know how many times I've noticed where the other team maybe gets the ball, rushes in transition, and Kevin Love gets the rebound, and there's LeBron at the other end just waiting for the ball. Right. So I think he, I think he has, yeah, he has some of that faith in his team that hey, if if I take a second or two to get back, um, they might end up getting a stop, and we might still be okay, and I can do this this other sort of mental thing that I'm that I'm trying to plan and prepare for later in the game. So like yeah, like we've said and we'll probably say it forever. He knows what he's doing. It's hard to question what he does from a um decision-making standpoint. So let's talk about this this game coming up on Friday just to kind of put a bow on things. I really feel like if you're looking at storylines around the NBA, the Warriors especially uh, until they got their first loss have really dominated most of the national conversation. But I even feel like some of the other storylines that are emerging, you don't really see a ton of national people talking about the Cavs um, up to this point. I I really feel like, and I don't even think it's disrespect, I I think it's more a matter of just an acknowledgement that they've had guys that have been injured, and let's just wait and see what they look like when they have the full team together. And we're pretty much at that point now, especially if if Mo comes back and plays uh, tomorrow night against the Knicks. Do you think that that will start to change that level of discussion and and the microscope that they might be under um, going forward if they come out of Golden State with a win? Um, I don't know. I think it kind of depends on... um, I don't know that one game is really going to change the... uh the the dialogue there in terms of what they're saying and how much attention they get um but overall i i think it's hard to take too much from it it'll definitely be nice if they were to go in there and get a win um and look strong doing it and make everybody feel good about the fact that guys are back and guys are healthy um but overall i think if if golden state keeps doing what they're doing and they wanted a similar clip this this game won't do much and for for whatever reason i heard someone the other day i don't know who it was talking about like these random reasons that everyone is loving golden state lately and they're getting so much attention one of them was their jerseys um 
which I don't know that I necessarily buy into. I do um, like their jerseys. Their jerseys are all right, but come on, no one's really watching them to see their jerseys. It's probably that's fair. just bizarre and ridiculous. Um, but this this laundry list of reasons of why everyone's in love with the Warriors right now, and and I don't I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason, I don't think a loss to the Cavs is really going to change that too much. I I do think if the Cavs were going to go in and like you're saying play a good game and, and win in Golden State. I don't know if it totally changes the dialogue, but I think every time then Golden State's brought up for a while, they do say, well, the Cavs are waiting there, and the Cavs did handle them on their home court. Like, they would, it almost would be bad. They would not be able to forget about that game. I think it would be brought up constantly. But I'll take it. That'll be a Christmas, uh, Christmas present I won't forget if that happens. Perfect. It'll just be one more thing that Golden State can pretend like everyone is, like, sliding them on. I think our North. only hope is to get Coach of the Year Luke Walton out of there and get Steve Kerr back because I, right. I, I don't know what else we're going to do it. Right. Hey, all those wins are credited to Steve Kerr, so watch it. <laughs> yeah, but come on. Luke Walton's got that magic touch, obviously. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, hey, here, you five guys, go play. There. <laughs> that's, that's a great story. I'm sorry. That's pretty much it. It's pretty I fantastic. hope that Luke Walton is coaching the best team ever. Yeah. yeah that's... And to an incredible record too like <laughs> yeah and you're right he won't get any credit he'll no, get a job next not. year probably but of it's course great. not yeah i hope he's enjoying the hell out of this because he's gonna go get hired by like minnesota or, or the kings <laughs> or some other dumpster fire of a franchise whatever right welcome to your NBA 29 year season the next Cleveland year browns is yeah exactly so yeah it, weird to think about that luke, it's luke walton of all people considering that he was kind of a key cog in the machine during the uh the wilderness campaign of the four years when uh lebron was in miami and he uh, well yeah i mean he was wearing a Cavs jersey just a few years ago it's it's bizarre yeah yeah so of all people he's now the guy that's that's coaching golden state on this run um you know you mentioned the the uniforms did you see you guys see what the Cavs will be wearing for uh the christmas day game no, Still just tell me it won't be like some color script. grind nightmare. They're nice. They're a, they're a wine colored uniform with it's like, like the, the, the the script Cavaliers across it. Oh, I have seen those. They they came out a few weeks ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, they, yeah, all, yeah those, all those are all right. I like those. Yeah, I, I was going to say as, as Christmas uniforms go, nothing to me will ever be better than what they when they first started started doing something different for Christmas when they just put the snowflake behind the NBA logo. I always thought that was just like a nice subtle touch. But um when since they've started coming out with like full uniforms that are just for Christmas Day, I'd say these are far and away the best ones. So hats off to uh, Adidas and the NBA for finally getting one right. And it it's better than the uh the sleeve jerseys that LeBron has to say he likes and then cuts up and loosens and Yeah. Yeah, I like them. I like them so much that I rip them apart in the middle of the game. He's a company man. What are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's funny. I'm surprised with his new Nike deal. You don't see him, like, draping a towel over his shoulders to cover up the Adidas logo. Yeah. Well, I, I, trust me, if Nike was making those jerseys, I do not think you would have seen him tearing the sleeves nope. in the middle of the game. Definitely not. But yeah. at the same time, if Nike was making the jerseys, he would have told them, hey, don't make these sleeved ones for the Cavs. <laughs> right. No, I, I totally agree with that. And I agree also think that you would not see any sleeved jerseys anywhere in the NBA. And you won't two years from now when Nike takes over the league contract because they were rolling these out in college. Adidas was before they did it with the NBA. And you have, and Nike has a lot of college teams, and they're not doing that anywhere. So I, I think this is an Adidas thing, and 
we could kill it with fire here soon enough. I think it would depend on if they were to look at um, actual sales, because I think the biggest, one of the biggest things about it is, as far as like a casual fan, if you're buying a jersey that you want to wear, like as a fan, not for actually playing basketball, but just to wear to a game or whatever, I think you probably feel a lot more comfortable and look a lot more normal if that jersey really just happens to be a t-shirt. Yeah, and I, I'll be honest, I've been down there to a couple of games this year. I'm surprised at the number of those that I've seen. I've seen a lot of people wearing them. I didn't think anybody would, but um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're getting bought. I, I, I don't think they're bad looking. I just, you know, as someone who plays a little bit of basketball badly, I, I hate shooting with sleeves. Like, I, I feel yeah. LeBron on that one. Like, but yeah, I agree with Travis. Like, it, they'll do whatever makes the, the most uh, business sense. If that soccer look is still in, then they'll sell those. They, uh, I was poking around on the team shop website and the, the warm up jacket, they, they wear the same one, that wine colored one for all their games. They have a black version that I guess is supposed to go with those sleeve jerseys. But I don't think they've ever actually worn it for a game. But it's it's the black war. Oh, it's very. Oh, nice. I'd like to see that. Yeah, it's not cheap, but uh, so that send, send me the link so I can I can dream about it. Yeah, yeah. I I normally I mean like it, it annoyed me at first that black's not a team color, but um, man, it's a damn good looking jacket. It works all right every once in a while. Yeah, as an alternate. Yeah, that's funny. All right, so. Do we want to? Do we dare to make a prediction for uh, for Christmas Day? Uh, I like personally. I like the Cavs. Um, I think the fact that they're all back, they're, I think they'll probably have a little more energy just because uh, Kyrie just came back and they're still trying to to uh, get back in the swing of things. I think, and they're excited about that. And I still think LeBron's probably the best best player in the league when all the lights are on despite what Curry's done so far this year and and the last year, I would take the Cavs if if I were putting credits down on it. I don't uh, I'm gonna, what the spread is, but I'm gonna go the other way. I, and I'm a pessimist by nature and I think it's great to have everyone back, but I don't think they'll be a well oiled machine yet with Kyrie and I just think the Warriors fans will be so excited. And I think the Cavs keep it closed for a half, maybe three quarters, but then the Warriors just start hitting threes and pull away. And I hope I'm wrong. Oh man, um, that that was kind of the scenario that I was fearing. I I, I think the Cavs are going to throw some stuff at Golden State here that's going to make them think and and make them work a little bit. Um, but not having Kyrie at full minutes, I think, is going to make it kind of difficult. Um, and I, I just I'm sure this is going to be a game that they get up for, but I just I think it's really difficult to go play on the road on Christmas Day and I just you just think about people as human beings and just being away from your family on Christmas and there's just a lot of stuff that goes into it and I, you just look, I, I remember that game that they played last year in Miami that just that they were not in a good place to begin with and they're in a much better place this year, don't get me wrong but there was a lot to that game last year where those guys at times just looked like they wanted nothing to do with being in that game um, so I, I we'll see. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm hoping for the best, but, uh, I would also predict, uh, a Golden State win here. I, I don't want to get us real sidetracked, but I was curious about their, do you know their travel schedule? Like they have the Knicks at home tomorrow, right? And then will they 
they'll fly out like later Christmas Eve and get in? Is that how that I works? I assume they'll fly out Cleveland Eve morning, probably. I would assume that they're gonna fly out after right after that game. Okay, so they, I thought maybe they'd make allowance for like Christmas that. Eve That's... with their families at home. Yeah. I'm just curious about how they how they do that. That's a good question. I, I don't know that. Um, my my guess was be that they try to get out there as soon as they could, but um, good question. I know they're on the road for a while. I think it's like a four game West Coast swing. Yeah. Well, next year we need the Christmas game in Cleveland. That would be a blast. Well, you we got to win the title this year. It kind of seems like what uh, what they do. Sounds yeah, smart, guy. Then that's what we'll do. All right. Uh, <laughs> very good. Uh, what's the word on uh? What's the word on? Cleveland's uh, newest OBGYN, Iman uh, Shumpert. Is he <laughs> oh, going to be a great back? story? Oh, fantastic story! Did you guys hear that nine one one call? I did not. Incredible! I, I heard a part of it at least. It's like, pretty, you're I mean, doing it's a great only, job, man. Like a minute or two long, and it's literally yeah, just yeah, the nine one one guy talking to him, and then all of a sudden, the baby's out, and Shump's <laughs> crying, and it's, it's pretty funny. Like, yeah, it's cool. Very it's, cool. Yeah, it was a good lesson. That uh, of all the things uh, to take care of the umbilical cord, he used Beats by Dr. Dre um, headphones. I have a feeling there's probably stacks of those in the locker room to where they literally are just treated like shoelaces around there. So it doesn't really surprise me that much. Yeah, they're 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 playing in a, a different bank account level than the rest of us. So, and I'm pretty sure Le- LeBron's deal with them translates to a fair amount of uh of comps i i would think so probably safe bed good 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 story though and uh good for shumpert and uh glad uh the uh, the missus and um and the little one everybody's uh doing well no question if everyone if 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 childbirth is really just hey uh she pushed twice and then the baby came out i don't get what the big deal is <laughs> well, you got to have the beats around. I mean, that's crucial. Oh, that's, it's that's not fair. That's I guess we, we don't we don't all have four hundred dollars headphones sitting around. <laughs> right. Don't use your bows. They're not going to work. You know, not going to be the same. Well, Trev, why don't you ask uh, Mrs. Tino uh, if it's that easy the next time you're you're hanging out with us? <laughs> I'll pass on that. I'll <laughs> see how that one goes. She'll think it's hilarious. I'll let you pass that along for me. <laughs> I'll get right on that. All right, uh, any other uh, parting shots? I think this might be a good point to wrap up. I'm good, it was fun. uh, Yeah, thanks for joining, Mark. Um, And if you are listening, have a wonderful holiday, everyone. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Appreciate everybody that's uh, been listening to the show. And uh, if if you're new to the show, we certainly hope you'll stick around for more. Um, Yeah, Mez, uh, like Travis said, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Thanks for having me, guys. Like I said, it was fun. Hey, do you have anything you want to plug? Any stories coming up in the paper? Uh, Just lots of movie reviews at news-herald.com slash entertainment or morningjournal.com slash entertainment, depending on what time uh, or what part of town you're on. And you can still catch my Star Wars review and all the movies coming out Christmas Day. I I read your Star Wars review today after I saw the movie. I I wanted as little information as possible going in. So... uh, (laughs) That's going to be my all-time review that people saved and read after. So no, no, no one wanted to know anything going in, which I can understand. Okay. All right, Mark. I will say right now, if I'm going to the movie theater on Christmas Day, I haven't seen any of the movies that are there. Which one should I see? Well, my film of the year is still Spotlight. That film's incredible. If you like journalism at all, I mean, if you're interested in journalism and that that uh, you know Catholic scandal in Boston, that's the movie of the year. But Star Wars is a great time. Okay. Even if I haven't seen any of the other Star Wars? Yeah, I, w- I would I would stay away. I'd get caught up first. Go see Spotlight. Okay. All right, good advice. 
All right. There you go. Um, so, hey, everybody listening out there, uh, we're going to be back next week. We're going to do another special episode. Um, we're going to be bringing on another guest, and we're going to be doing a full show previewing the New Year's Six college football bowl games. So that should be fun. And, uh, yeah, I think that uh, that about covers it. So for Mark Bizarros, Travis Hewley, Merry Christmas to you and yours. Go Cavs, beat Golden State, and we will talk to you again next week. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On Press Box Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on Press Box Access. 